Wow. Look at the Sydney zombies coming out to play. First time we record this together. First time. Face yeah, to first face. time face to face. I'm happy to say we are in a proper studio. We are recording our, this first episode face to face. Awesome. And we're very excited about we it. Are. The first time we're recording Tech for Evil face to face. And we don't want to bore you about the subject of today's episode because everyone hates to talk about privacy. We want it to be fun and yes. interactive and we want you to really understand privacy. So yeah. this, this is not to bore you guys. No, it's to demystify. Demystify. Right now, do you still have your, your Facebook, right? I do, yeah, I have my account. Why? Do, do you use it? Uh, a little bit, from time to time, not much. Ever thought of deleting your Facebook? I have, sometimes. Do you know that even if you delete your Facebook, Facebook will keep all the information that you have on that account on record? You're kidding. No, I did not know nope. that. Everything? <laughs> Everything. And do you know that sometimes social media, when you just type a draft of a status or a post, yeah. they still keep that even if you don't post it. They keep my drafts even if I don't actually hit post. No joke. And they don't even try to hide it. It is in their terms of, uh, and conditions. They tell you that we keep drafts even if you didn't post it. I'd say that you are in control of your data. It's the biggest lie social media and, and big tech told us. And also, I accept, I understand and accept the terms is the biggest lie we told Big Tech. Mm. Our relationship starts with a lie, and that shouldn't be how we start a relationship or any relationship in, in this life. You're right, that's a, that's a terrible start to a relationship. And it shouldn't be this anymore. We decided to create this episode to have to open this conversation and make privacy a subject that's not boring and it's not overwhelming for people to understand. We will try to explain it in real life examples to make that virtual unknown to us, tangible and understood. Yeah, there's an entire movement that's now being created that is trying to shape a better digital world that's more educated, where we have more control, we're more empowered. And we would love to be part of that. And we'd love for other people, for our listeners in particular, to be a part of that movement as well. And, and have control over our personal data and our online privacy. The tech that we love can be the answer to issues like our liberties or the pandemic, climate crisis, important things like education and poverty. But it can also be used for evil, as we've described so far. And we want everyone to be involved to work towards this better digital future. You're listening to Manal and Reinhardt, finally out of Sydney lockdown. Look at that, face to face. Find out what big tech doesn't want you to know and what to do about it on today's episode of Tech for Evil. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You've been living in a dream world, Neo. A prison for your mind. Salam everyone, my name is Manal Sharif. I'm a cybersecurity expert, and I worked all my life to protect people's data from hackers. I'm also a women's rights activist. I successfully used social media to start the women's right to drive movement back home in Saudi Arabia. And I'm Reinhard Sosen. I've worked as a teacher and saw how technology could light up a classroom, but in the 20 years I've worked in tech, I never truly understood just how evil big tech was getting. Together, Manal and I, we're on a journey to investigate the evils of big tech, educate people around the world, and inspire people just like you, young and old, towards a better digital future. 
The topic of today's episode is inspired by one of our listeners in Sydney, Australia. Shout out to Roscoe. This one's for you. And you too can share your ideas and thoughts. Go to techforevil.com and put forward your ideas. Join the online conversation. Start telling us what you would like Manal and I to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. Most of us may feel overwhelmed with the topic of personal data. This is a big one, isn't it? Yes. Because it's just so complicated. Personal data protection is, yeah, it's complex. We've got these privacy policies that are indecipherable. And all the while, big tech are getting away with collecting as much as they can about us. They don't really hear from us very much. They don't take a lot of our feedback. And that leaves, I think, the overwhelming majority of us feeling quite powerless. Uh, The odds aren't really in our favor, are they, Manal, when it comes to privacy? And this is unfair to us, but no matter what, we shouldn't have to give up our privacy rights just to be able to use the technology we love. So in this episode, Manal and I, we are going to empower you with the knowledge by simplifying and explaining what we have all been giving up when we click that accept button on the terms and conditions that we never read And policymakers uh, bear a big part in this unbalanced relationship with big tech. And we feel that it's time policymakers step in and stop these abusive behaviors and the compromising of our digital rights. But this will need awareness. It will need empowered netizens who demand this type of protection. We welcome you to episode four of the Tick for Evil podcast, We don't sell your personal data and other hilarious privacy lies, Big Tick told us. Excellent. Welcome. And Manal, it's a pleasure to be here in a room with you together. After all these months of lockdown here in Sydney, we actually finally get to record an episode together, which is amazing. Privacy is a fundamental human right. And the United Nations declared privacy an inalienable and universal human right all the way back in 1948. So this story of privacy really starts with fundamental human rights. Now, in the 60s, in 1966, there was a restatement of the importance of privacy by the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, who said that it played a central role in our democracy. And political rights and people living in dictatorships, they don't have privacy rights. No. And people living in democracy should have that. So it's really confusing when you see people living in democracies like Australia, where they lag behind in in passing privacy laws that protect our digital rights. Privacy is a basic right and it's so important to protect freedom of speech. Yes. And uh, and to protect free societies from tyranny and discrimination. Yeah. Well, we've had it so good for so long here, Manal, in Australia. So I think it's one of those situations where it's it's hard to make people care about online privacy because for years, big tech have been kind of training us to give it up and, uh, and into caring very little about it. It's overwhelming because who would go and read 4,000 words or spend hours yeah. of their day reading these privacy policies? Very few policy. people would. So they did, big tech, they did desensitize us and people just getting used to giving away so much information just in in return of convenience. And that shouldn't be the way. No. One of the things that the contradiction when it comes to our relationship with Big Tech, Big Tech keeps telling us that it is not, privacy is dead, it's not important, it's just a few information from you in return of of these awesome services. Mm. 
If it's not that important, our information, why the obsession of collecting every piece of information we leave behind? Good point. So there is a contradiction between the messages we receive from big tech. And their behaviors. And their behaviors. It's like that obsession of collecting every piece of information, even the things we didn't submit. Yeah, even sounds like what you're saying back in our intro. Even if I delete my account, they're obsessed with keeping data keeping about it. me. And the other thing, most of the problem we face with big tech is when they start using algorithms mm. to show us the content. They choose content based on our online behavior. No one knows what's in those algorithms. So there are, there, they want transparency, full transparency from our side, but there is no transparency from their side. Mm. And also the way they trick us, the way they make it so difficult for us to know how much data they're collecting, even they collect data about us, has nothing to do with the services they provide. Who they sell it to, what they do with it, it's very secretive. Yeah. We don't know the extent of what they do with our data once they acquire it. There is this contradiction that shows it is important, our personal data. Yeah. And, and if this not- really was a relationship, we'd have friends and family probably coming uh, coming to us in private and encouraging us to leave, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, because what's a relationship? If you want to have a relationship with someone, it starts on trust. Yeah. And there is no tra- if there is no transparency, it's one-way relationship. One person knows everything about you and you know nothing about them. That's yeah. not balanced relationship. It's not. And we've come to accept it. So we're desensitized to this condition and it's all part of their big tech plan. So it's time that we expose the lies, the lack of the transparency of the truth about our data, whether it be psychological experiments, psychoanalysis through AI, our desires, our personalities becoming intricately known. The truth is we have never really known the truth about what we've been signing up to. I think there's a disconnect, Manal, uh, between what we think is happening and what is actually happening because people have to understand that what we've shared online about us, about our friends, it stays there forever, forever. really, doesn't it? You, you gave me some very interesting examples of this. Exactly. And, and it's like when you delete, as we mentioned, when you delete your Facebook account, information stays there. If you post a, a YouTube, a video on YouTube, and you decided to delete that video, YouTube keep that in the record. Not kidding. And they don't even lie about it. It's mentioned in the, the fine print of the thousands of words privacy policies. Right. Twitter and Facebook, a lot of other social media, they tell you in the privacy policy, we read your private messages. Wow. So it... it they, they tell you they access your private messages. So not just the public ones. We're talking about no, private, private messages, messages we're ex- between exchanging me. between us yeah. and our friends and yeah. so on. Not wow. only your public posts. Other examples, good examples, uh, you can look at services like Twitter, Pinterest, PayPal, all of them. They keep information about you even after you delete your account or delete uh, the post you made. Wow. So, and that's in their privacy policy. Apple, and that's uh, another disturbing one, um, the terms of Apple say, our terms can change anytime and at their discretion, and they don't even have to tell you. So you sign up for something today, tomorrow they change their terms and you, don't, you disagree mm, with it, yeah. you do, you're not even notified. So once you accept, ac- you accept once, that's it. It's indefinite. No it's like signing a contract back 10 years ago only to find it being redrafted every yeah. every week. Yeah, your partner, you you enter a relationship with your partner and your partner decide to move to another city or to have right. children on wow. her own. 
And she doesn't tell you. Have another partner. Yeah. (laughs) Or have another partner. (laughs) And when you enter this relationship, you accepted that I might change the terms. We enter the relationship based on any time. And I don't have to inform you. And this is exactly how a relationship would tick. So all the... All these times you and I have been getting together and I sort of chuckle at you for actually reading the privacy policies. It sounds like the joke is on me because that's that's really the problem, that there are a lot of people like me out there that are falling victim to these deliberately long, incomprehensible policies. I laugh at it and I'm, I, I, I'm starting to see now why you do it because inside all those policies, there are some very, very sneaky, dark things. And... All of those things add up to make it very, very easy for the online platforms to collect everything they want about us. And, and they do whatever just they to, want. Yeah, and then they can do whatever they want. They can analyze it. They can sell it on. Well, they're selling us to advertisers, right? And those advertisers are going to use trackers. And once we click on ads, they're going to collect even more data about us. And they're going to make revenue off of our attention and time. And a lot of people think it's individual problem. It's not individual. It's not only about targeting me with things that I didn't share. If mm. you give consent, you like motorcycles. And you I told do. them, yeah. I love motorcycles. Congratulations. Uh, Reinhardt just got his new motorcycle. <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> Without even, he bought it online, but anyway. That's, that's for another episode. That's what the tech is doing. It's amazing. Yes. But you like motorcycles and you consent to ha- receiving uh, advertisement yes. based on your interest. Imagine that there are information they collected about you that you didn't share with them through your, uh, let's say, Netflix, the things you watch in Netflix or the things, the yeah. emails you've been sending or the people you've been talking to or your purchases habit. They don't tell you that they're going to use that data to target, adver- to to send you targeted advertisement. No, they haven't. No, and they that's a problem. That, that is the problem. And that is mentioned in their privacy policies. So, so they've say, told us, but they've designed it in a way so that we were never going to know. No, it's 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 kind of manipulative the yeah. way they use the language in their privacy policies. What's well, also a billion pages long, Mia? <laughs> and they always when you, I always go to the section that yeah. talks about we might collect information such as they never tell you uh, the extensive list of information they collect. It's you've always got a shortcut. You know as, where to go. Yeah, such as. And such as is a big word. Um, so one example, your employer today can have access to your private social media and check on you the things you're posting in your private social media. Access to yes. my social media accounts. Yes. This is how, how, how far technology been going into wow. invading our privacy, even things we share in private. So collaborating with employers. So that, in, that, that, that starts to... Tell me that there's something very sinister when they start bringing additional people to start viewing personal things about myself. Oh, they sign up. There are services that tells them to protect their reputation. Right. And these services, what they do, they just go through their employees' private wow. social media accounts and see what they post that there. That is extraordinary. It's like, like it's like having a peeping Tom bring all, all, all their friends to look through the window with them. And, uh, and reporting you. Yeah. You, know, you know that when... There are so many times people, when they go apply for jobs, they don't get the job and they don't have, in Australia, for example, they don't have to give you a reason why you were denied that that position. Certainly not a transparent one. Not transparent. And that means they use the information they've been collecting about us mm. to deny you that job or to deny you an insurance, uh, right. medical insurance. Sure. 
Yeah, look at that. So based on, say, for example, if they uncover what my uh, sexual preferences might be or where I used to live or who I worked for in the past or how I like to spend my weekends. Yes. And that's that's the that's the thing that we're going to discuss in the the surveillance affects everyone uh, equally. And that's not true. We call this collection of data. We call it surveillance. We just call it by its name. And it does create discrimination. Because yeah. they collect so much information about you that's sensitive that could be used against you. Yeah. So can we explain what exactly online privacy and compare it, just give some real life examples so sure. people understand? Yeah, concept? we were talking about this a bit earlier because we wanted to try and demystify this for our audiences. And um, the idea is... How do we convey the ideas that we have about privacy into the digital privacy world? But let's say, for example, let's stay in the physical world for a bit and let's imagine that after a long day at work, you're sitting at the dinner table with your family, your partner, your loved ones. You've had a tough day and you just want to vent about your lousy boss and you're in a safe space, you're where you feel comfortable and trusted. And so you should be able to just say whatever you feel like. Um, Or imagine maybe another example is you're with your counsellor and they're helping you with uh, suicidal thoughts and that strict privacy that you have between each other, that allows you to seek help, to seek therapy, to improve your mental health. So that privacy is really functioning to do some real good for you. Now, what if Manal and I asked you to agree that we will record those private conversations? And we're going to use them for profit or maybe use them against you. We're going to store them. We're going to memorize them. Would you still rant about your boss? Would you still seek professional help that requires supreme vulnerability between people? It is scary to put it in this perspective. We'll give another example to just make things clearer. Imagine I had this superpower, like a comic book villain, and I could overhear and memorize your self-talk. And, and use that in ways you didn't know anything about. And that's your status when you post it, on, when, when you don't even post it. Yeah, it's happening it. right now in the digital world. Yeah, what are, they do, what are they doing with it? Imagine that you share a photo or a video with someone and then you decided to take them back. That person give it back to you, but they keep, they keep copies of, of those photos and you barely knew that they kept a copy. Scary. Uh, and that's when you delete your social media account and they still keep your information. So what is an online, online privacy? Online privacy um, is also called internet privacy, digital privacy, is how much of our personal information remains private when we are online. You're listening to episode four of Tech for Evil. We think now's a good time to perhaps take a break. Take a few moments and we'll see you back in a little while. Back now in the digital world, moving from that physical space we were just describing and into the online world, there is a software company called Clarios, and they have some new research that is shedding light on companies that collect and track data uh, more so than any others. And I I have a feeling that what I'm about to say is not going to be surprising to you, Manal, surely, and probably not even surprising to many of our listeners. Now... 
Unsurprisingly, social media apps collect more data than anything else. Facebook, surprise, surprise, once again, number one at the top of the leaderboard, collecting and tracking almost 80% of user data. Instagram, they collect 70%. And TikTok, one of these newcomers, is collecting 46% of user data. Yeah, they know us more than our parents. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and our partners, 80%. And all these apps also collect this type of personal data that is really sensitive. It's our biometric data, things that we can change once it's stolen. Face fingerprints, print, right. Fingerprints, yeah. yes. Voice prints. They collect all that. So TikTok, Facebook collects our biometric data. And um, even environmental recognition, they have that. They also access our contacts on our phone and they access our image library, your photo wow. library. yeah. Look at that. They have access to that. So it's not just apps, right? It's not just the software here that this is working on. There is a, a wonderful uh, class action you've discovered in the United States against Bose. Uh, and this is coming out of the district court in Chicago. Bose, you might be wondering, well, why are we talking about them? They, they manufacture headphones. Surely they, they wouldn't be a part of this. But actually they did start manufacturing headphones and then release uh, an associated app with those headphones. And they've incentivized people to try and download the app just to use the headphones and told them, oh, it's going to improve our experience and how you, you know, listen to your music. But actually what that app is doing is that it's, it's scanning all of our entire listening history and sharing that with third-party data mining companies. Isn't that extraordinary? So you wouldn't expect that a device and a simple app that comes with it, like for, for a pair of headphones, is going to be listening to our history and then revealing personal data about us, identifying details that can um, tell other people who we are. We wouldn't expect that. So they just have collected this information for their own personal gain, really, and, and we didn't know this. So we've been, once again, sort of hijacked a little bit there. And, you know, I use Boss, and I remember when I bought it, the my recent Boss, they insisted that you download this Connect app. I don't need it. I was listening to my music fine without that. And that's the problem now. Everything comes with an app. Yes. Like even sex toys, one of my friends was telling me. No with an app, And that app was actually hijacked. Wow. And, and people could, hi, could hack it and, and have access to the sexual. And I'm like, this is just crazy. Wow. The internet of things. But it's problematic, this one, because the lawsuit, um, it mentions things like you could tell people religion from their listening habits. Like if someone is listening to Muslim prayers, of course, this person is Muslim. Wow. Uh, also, yeah. the sexual orientation could be revealed through the sensitive information. Yeah. The, pro the problem here that Bose did not inform people, a an independent researcher found out that. He's the one behind this uh, class suit. So totally under the radar type of data theft. Yes, and they, at least other ones, they tell you, they are collecting information about you. Bose did not tell the people who wow. are using those headphones. Bose, number that, one evildoer for the week. The Internet of Things. That, yeah. That's another episode about Cold Internet metal. of Things. Cold medal evildoer award goes to Bose, I think. Uh, the other one is the 
contact management and you were asking me about contact it. Contact management, yeah. I you've got these them. apps that can then yeah. look at all the contacts on your phone and then they categorize your contacts. They look yes. for redundant contacts. Remind me again, what's the significance of those? So I used them once and I didn't read the privacy policy at the time. And when I went recently and I read the privacy because I needed to use it again, I was shocked to read that they download your whole contact database. Wow. And that means people's names, addresses, if you put the birthdays, uh, I put even my the, the kids' names there. So to remember when I want to send them yeah, of course. Uh, a birthday gift or yeah. something. The problem is they download the whole database when you use them and they sell it to third parties. So you're not only exposing your own personal data by using these apps, you're actually selling every single person you know, their information, you're selling that to these data brokers. Wow. So I'm compromising my friend's privacy and compromising everybody on my con- on my contact list and exposing them to these to these vultures. And and it's millions of people use those apps every day. And those apps, they say that in their privacy policy, but it's not clear. I'm pretty sure people wouldn't download these apps. I refused. I deleted the app once I did the privacy policy. Manal, every time I meet with you, I end up having nightmares after one of these episodes. You realize that, right? And it shouldn't. It shouldn't be this negative. It sh- we shouldn't feel so. It's it's re- sometimes I feel it's so messy. Yeah. To the way that is so exhausting to just point out all the problems and evils, mm. but at the same time we do need to do that. In, in that's the only way. Awareness is the only way to fix things. Yeah. If we're unaware, these things will hap- happen on, and decisions will be taken on our behalf. And we are not part of the decision when it was when it's made. And we are not only giving up our rights. Look at it as a collective. You have millions of people in Australia. All their data is being mined by foreign companies. And all this information is aggregated, put in one place. Whoever, whoever hates Australia wants to create, have a political uh, disagreement with the Australian government can easily hack and have access to information, very details and sensitive information about Australian yeah, citizens. About all of our voting population, yeah. And and change the public discourse. So we, we, we're not talking only about the individual impact. We're talking about nationwide impact of the lack of regulation and the lack of awareness of mm. why it's so important to be very careful about the data that we, we share and what is done with that data when, once it's shared. Another example is GoFundMe. Oh, that's right. Yes, because what we discovered was that in GoFundMe, their liability on their users expects them to explain the policies to others. Can you imagine that? Yeah, just imagine. Yeah. Not sure how exactly that's fair or even necessary, but that's what they require of anyone that wants to use a GoFundMe page so or use their services rather. So, for example, if you're going to share your contacts on that site and you agree that you have talked with everyone, everyone. <laughs> about what, what GoFundMe are going to do with your personal data, then you've, you've just compromised not only yourself but all of your friends. Really. And we, we barely talk to the friend. Like I have over a 1,000 people on my contact list. I don't talk to these people on a regular basis. Like, <laughs> no, of course not. Not even 10%. Yeah, it's not even realistic. Not only can it be uh, unrealistic, but it can go into the realms of the ridiculous too. Not only is it going into the unrealistic, but it's going into the realms of ridiculous too. Say, for example, in Reddit's case and other social media platforms too, where they're storing the drafts that we're typing in. Yeah, so just imagine that you've yeah. got we've got these 
draft ideas that we're submitting into this box and we think, oh, we're in a safe place here. I haven't hit submit. I haven't submit post. Surely no one's going to see these ideas. And once we give it a second thought and delete it, we think, no, all good, gone. Yeah. But the reality is, no, some someone was watching and they've taken that. And, and they don't tell you whether why why in hell you're doing that like why something yeah. I didn't even post why do you keep a copy of that and it makes us forced to even self censor so you you maybe you had a thought and you wanted to post it and then removed it you're now forced to think that even those thoughts like when you th- talk to yourself the self talk there is a villain listening to that self talk and recording it yeah, exactly so the things that we've learned is that these platforms know how to get around our awareness to ensure that they save every bit of data that they can about us. Some of the listeners might remember the Microsoft case that we pointed out how sneakily they tricked people into updating Windows 10 using a dark pattern by providing that X button on the top right only to have it do exactly the opposite of what you thought it would. So without our consent, they've been able to take our data, and then pass that on to third parties. Now, there's another service on a lot of Windows machines that some people will be familiar with, and that's Cortana. You may have seen it, maybe not not known what it does. Now, you you can delete it with a lot and a lot of effort and time, but it will still collect any of your data. And when I say data, let me get specific, your keystrokes. Things that you type into your key, your, your keyboard, things to all sorts of people that you might be communicating with. It's searching your mic input, your calendar data, and imagine our credit card info. That that that's the type of stuff that Cortana is searching for in the background, and that, that that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more we could bring up. Yeah, I hate it, Cortana. When it's like, what is this Cortana? There's Siri version, the Alexa version. Uh, Amazon Rings, a lot of people in the US were buying Amazon Ring. And it's a, it's just an intercom where there is a camera. And this camera shows you online, you can access it online and see who's ringing the door. The problem is not of that uh, security system, the Amazon Ring. The problem is that data is actually connected to the cloud. Wow. So now your visitor's face is actually in the cloud on Amazon. And Amazon, what they did, the same time they were selling, they were actively selling Amazon Ring to the citizens, they were actively signing contracts with law enforcement. Wow. And they're saying, hey, we have access to these hundreds of thousands of Amazon Ring cameras, surveillance cameras around the city. And we can give you access to that. And we have, we have it on the cloud. All that live streaming of the street is in our cloud. And you can have facial recognition to recognize who is walking in the street if it's one of wanted person. That's extraordinary. That's, huge. that's yeah. extraordinary in, in the US and the level they go to. That's, a, that's a, another scary example. Well, what about AccuWeather? I hate this one. No, no. <laughs> so, AccuWeather, what that, the hell, this yeah. one? <laughs> it's, it's pre-installed on many of our phones, I'm, I'm sure. I think Android. Android, yeah, Android yeah. yeah. Quite prolific on that platform. And it will use, obviously, location information because if you're in Sydney, you're going to want to see Sydney weather. If you've flown to Paris, you're going to want to see Paris weather. I wonder how many of our listeners would know that it collects health and biometric data from our wearable devices, like Fitbit, for example. Why the hell is my heart rate needed to tell me if it's going to rain in Paris today or not? (laughs) 
and not, none of these is quite comparable to our best friend on the privacy zuckering list. And privacy zuckering is a term that we explained in the episode of Dark Patterns. Highly recommended. Listen to it. It is a laugh. It is hilarious. That's our call to action. And now comes my favorite part of, of, of this podcasting adventure with you. And that is our crash course in digital self-defense. We fight alone or all together. We want to introduce the TOSDR. Reinhard, do you want to explain what is TOSDR? We mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we want to empower people with the knowledge to start fighting back against some of these uh, tech evils and to regain that better digital future. One of the most empowering tools that we've learned about uh, that will help to fight back and protect yourselves is this uh, TOSDR. So that's Terms of Service Didn't Read. Let me repeat that. Terms of service didn't read. And uh, this was named out of an inspiration from the TLDR, which is too long, didn't read. And this this TOSDR website is a fantastic tool. It's a weapon in the war against indecipherable privacy policies and non-for-profit online service. And what it will do, it will simplify those massive privacy policies down into a few intelligible statements and give you the information you need to provide what we would consider informed consent. And we're going to use this tool, Manal and I are going to use this tool in the episode to expose some of the biggest offenders in our privacy zuckering list. And that is, ta-da, Facebook. A good old Facebook. So what TOSDR does, this website has a rating system that they've developed of five levels. It goes from grade A, which means the service or platform, the policy will treat you fairly. It respects your rights. It won't abuse your data. That's grade A. And then it goes all the way down to the bottom of the evil scale, uh, grade E for the most evil policy. And that's a no-go zone. As you might expect, Facebook's privacy policy is ranked, wouldn't you know it, grade E on TOSDR. Here's here's, here's how TOSDR explained Facebook privacy policy in plain English. The most evil terms, that's grade E, um, I'll explain them in plain English. The website lists them as, Facebook stores your data whether you have an account or not. What the hell? Yeah. I, I didn't understand that. Like, how do how you does stop that work? my data? <laughs> so what they do usually, they buy information about people who are not on Facebook. They buy it from data brokers. So they would, and they would store that information. So you, 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 not, you don't have account, but it's, they still have wow. a record. You're on record. Um, another one TOCDR explains is from the privacy policy. Your identity is used in ads that are shown to other users. Look at that. I'm just, I know you, so now I use your face to show us another. This person is using this. How about you use it? Wow. 
The other, the third one, the service can read your private messages. No, yes, yeah. that's what we. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just extraordinary to to know that it's just there in the privacy policy, but it's already there, unintelligible though for this, the overwhelming majority of us. This service can view your browser history. Oh, so man. even the things you're browsing, they use a cookie and they watch where you've been going around on the on the internet. Deleted content is not really deleted. Let's read some terms under Great C. And Great C means this t- uh, the terms of service are okay, but some issues need your consideration as a user of the service. I'll read four of them. The service keeps your logs for undefined period of time. This service may keep personal data after a request for erasure for business interests or legal obligations. So you ask them to delete the data, but they will keep it. This service tracks you on other websites. Your biometric data is collected. So, Manal, what I'm hearing there is that if people knew this from the start about their relationship with Facebook, uh, that it would be abusive and not based on trust, they, we would never agree to go on a date with, with Facebook or end up married with children in the future, would we? We certainly wouldn't pass go. We wouldn't swipe right on yeah. Facebook if they had a Tinder profile. And it's so difficult once you are in those media because you invested so much of your time posting and liking and sharing. It becomes so difficult to move to another social media. And, and they make it, they know, they make it so difficult for us to change. I, I, I'm dying to hear also what the other things that you've got prepared um, that you Yeah, so we talked about it in episode one, which is how to stop those people from tracking you and collecting all information about you. Yeah. And I, I can't emphasize enough using a VPN. If you don't have a VPN today, VPN makes it very difficult to collect personal data about you because it encrypts all your connections, like all your browsing, all your activities online is being encrypted and it hides your IP. But the other good thing is use a private search engine and also a private browser. We mentioned there are so many private browsers out there. Try to read their privacy policies through terms of service didn't read and choose yours. Just try to choose a browser that's not privacy intrusive. We mentioned DuckDuckGo. There are other ones um, yes. that you can use. My The private browser that I use myself and I love is Brave because I loved. I used to love using Chrome. And Brave is based on Chrome, but it's okay. the private browser. And it shows me all the trackers. Oh, you, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Excellent. So you can, you can monitor them. You can, you can see who's been tracking it, like That's who's fantastic. been blocked. It's just, it's horrific to see thousands. Like I, when you go to some websites, you see it jumps to 99 plus. So it can't show you the number if it's over 99. I'm like, oh my God, 99 plus trackers wow. on just one link. So yeah, using a private browser, a private search engine, a VPN, covering your webcam if you can with a sticker, with, with, with whatever, just turn it, when you turn it on, remove the sticker. Yeah, yeah. Try to use ad blocker, uh, tracker bro- blockers. They're all available, these plugins. You can install it in your browser. I try not to download apps on my phone because apps usually when you read the privacy policy, they collect so much information about you, even things you they didn't need. This. Yeah, you prefer to log into the service through a browser, Directly. don't you? For yeah. example, LinkedIn, I don't download LinkedIn because it collects so much information about you. And if you go and read their privacy, they collect, they have even access to your, uh, to your um, address book. So once you download it and you give it access to your address book, it downloads that one and you use it for marketing. 
And I'm like, why would you yeah. access my address book? So I try not to download apps on my, my phone. I just use my private browser. Okay. Try to block your location service. Unfortunately, even when you tell them don't track me, they will still track you. But it's good to just turn it off completely in your phone and turn it on only when you need it. Don't give apps all these permissions on your phone. Um, remove completely uh, apps that are uh, privacy intrusive. This is something I didn't uh, do yet, but I will experiment with. I'm trying to, to find a non-Google, non-Googled and non-Apple uh, phone because okay. Apple now they have the client side scanning and now they scanning your phone before your data is encrypted and sent to the cloud. Mm. And that is for me as a cybersecurity, they are opening a back door that can be used for abuse and exploited. Yeah. And that really scares me. I pay so much money to have an iPhone because they use a sandbox and it's really safe and secure and they make their money out of selling me hardware, not of selling me data. So now this is something I'm experimenting so with. So the paradigm is changing. It is changing. It's just becoming more and more intrusive and you don't know where to go. And it's really unfair that we leave a lot of the responsibility on us as individuals to try and secure and save our privacy online. Not everyone is a tech savvy. Not everyone no. has all the hours in yeah. the world to no. read privacy policies. So we rely on companies really like Apple to give us a device that's already given us a higher threshold of encryption and privacy. If you, why don't we go? Why don't we both go looking for that phone together, and then yeah. we can go back to our audiences and tell them if we find one. Yeah, I'm actually looking at some of them, and we will come back here as we mentioned. Avoid. Public Wi-Fi. Public oh, Wi-Fi, yes. most of oh. them are unencrypted. Yes. I can sit in a lobby and I can, uh, if I want to intercept, when you connect to these public Wi-Fis or set up myself as a rogue, rogue, I think the rogue, word. Rogue, 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 yes. uh, uh, access point and yes. just have access to people, passwords, emails. So I always I try always to stay away. Dirty. Yeah, I always feel slightly dirty if I've ever logged onto a public Wi-Fi. Yeah, I feel like I need to shower for at least an hour. Public Wi-Fi, no. This is a difficult one. I'm trying to do it myself, which is deleting your unused accounts. The problem is when you use password, when you don't use that account and that password is compromised or that service is compromised, now you're exposing your email, birth date, whatever information they have on you in that account. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of dead accounts. We just open these accounts and we never use them again. I have over 450 oh, wow. when I was looking. And I'm like, oh my God, when I'm going to have time to sit and delete it. It is, again, really unfair. And the regulators should step up and have very clear regulations and penalties to companies that abuse our personal data and collect things they don't need and, and, and they com commodify it. Well, if they could be tarred and feathered in public, that would be my choice as yeah. a punishment, I think. But it's good that we mentioned the bad examples, but we want to mention the good examples. True. You can still be a successful tech company and you still make profit without being a stalker, without being abusive, without yeah. taking so much data that you don't even need to provide your services like AccuWeather. Yeah. And a good example is DuckDuckGo search engine. We talked about it before. Yes. It's a private search engine and they don't make money out of abusing our personal data. And they still make money out of advertisement, DuckDuckGo. The nice thing about it is being rated grade A on TOSDR. And I want to read why it's been graded um, A. This service does not track you. No need to register. 
The cookies used by this service do not contain information that would personally identify you. IB addresses of website visitors are not tracked. This service provides archives of their terms of service so that changes can be viewed over time. So even if they change it today, you can still go back. Uh, if you let's say you disagree today or you want to take them to the court for something, you always want to go back to the archive because sometimes what they would happen, and this is a lawyer friend explained to me, uh, if there is a law case against an online service, what they do, they go to their terms of service and they change it. Mm. So when you take them to the court, you look at this ter- the new terms of service that is not the same one you want to take them to the court with. They already deleted the archive. Gotcha. Yeah. So they that's an ethical way of treating the users of these services. Yeah. Look, what's beautiful about this example, Manal, is that we clearly have here juxtaposed for us an example of what a grade A scorecard might look like for a business that is able to provide a service, but the way that it views us as their consumers, as tech geeks, as people just looking for uh, an experience online is very, very different. And ethical. Yeah, and ethical and balanced and fair and has even taken into consideration things like archiving their terms of service so that it can be audited or viewed in the background or if there are legal concerns that come up, you, we always have a snapshot in time about what that company's terms of service were when I used it 20, 10 years ago, let's say. So it's a, it's a really beautiful example that there are better choices out there. And while we do stress the examples of the evildoers and we love finding them, ultimately the podcast is about a positive, hopeful message for that better digital future. And this is a great example of how that can happen. Yes. And we want to just say that a lot of people ask why this is happening. And because tech is one of the most used, um, it's one of the biggest industries in the world, but it's the least regulated industry. Most of policymakers don't understand tech. And unfortunately, there is no conversation between both the tech makers and regulators to understand and they want to keep that relationship and that disconnect. So mm, that ambiguity serves the yeah, big tech and other technology companies. But, and no uh, one yeah. wins. Like they can keep doing this for a year, for two years. They can keep doing it for. But people are more and more aware of what's happening. People are more and more are demanding uh, regulations and demanding to have control over their data. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say ten years from now, those services can't be this abusive, and they can't stalk us and track us along. And that's the end of our part one of this episode. It's a really good prediction to end on. Manal looking through her crystal ball there 10 years (laughs) in the future. And I I, I join you in that prediction. I absolutely hope so. Yes. Hopefully it's a better future that we all lead by spreading the awareness, by taking control back. And next, in the next, in the part two of this episode, we will talk about the hilarious privacy lies. Things like you are in charge of your data. Things like privacy is dead. Or if you have nothing to hide, then you have nothing to fear. So these lies, we really want to talk to about them. The more of myths that we want to debunk. And they so, deserve their own, their own part to this episode. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks. Thank you everyone for listening. We will meet you in part two of this episode.